0: Good morning. Everybody's so excited and lively. We're sipping coffee and having some donuts and ready to hear what the Lord is going to say this morning. Um, so you guys have handouts, and um, I, I can just imagine you guys like checking it s- several times, but I'm going to tell a story <laughs> at the beginning, and you won't have anything to read for a little bit. So um, today... It's Sunday, December 10th of 2023. This is Wisdom Seekers class at the Father's Church. My name is Imani, and um, I'm happy to talk to you about hearts today. The heart of the matter is the name of this lesson. So I've learned many things about the heart of the Lord since becoming a Christian. And this last year has been like an incredible journey with the Lord and um, I know we do everything in stages and in seasons, but this was the first time that the Lord was revealing deeply to me what was in my own heart. It's been incredibly um, life-giving and validating at times to reclaim parts of my identity that I had not seen or that were hidden, and it's been incredibly wonderful to see things spring forth in His timing in my own life as he continues to develop me like I know he's developing all of you into mature sons every day. Um, you know, as the Lord reveals what's in your heart, um, sometimes it is life-giving and validating and, and, and wonderful. Other times it, it hurts a little bit <laughs> as the Lord um, sometimes reveals folly that's in the heart. Um, There are times when I don't yield to something exactly how he's told me to or sometimes he'll let me know that a current challenge that I'm experiencing can be traced back to a point where I didn't yield my heart to him in some area completely or it's that moment when you can suddenly see the plank in your own eye about a thing and it's that daily dying to self that hurts sometimes but the circumcision of our hearts Though it can be painful, we must allow it so that we can remain sensitive to him and what he's doing in us. Now before we get into deep talk about the heart and the scriptures, I want to share a story with you about a teaching that I had in Bible school that led me in this direction today. So um, when I was in Bible college, our dean taught us a class called Creation Science. And it was really wonderful. I loved it and I had never heard anything like it before. I went to a college called Christ for the Nations in Oak Cliff and um, our principal or our dean taught this creation science class and I loved it so much. I had never heard anything like it before. Uh, I went to a public high school and I sat through my fair share of evolution lessons and talks and lectures and um, I think the, the worst class that I ever had to sit through was a geology class in in college though, not in Bible college, but in a different school. You just never fe- forget that feeling of, um, of realizing you're in a room with a lot of people that don't believe the same way as you. And so that's a, that's a really interesting feeling, but um, I remember this one time I was in geology class and our professor was talking about evolution And I think it started with like one remark from somebody, like a little snide comment, and it kind of snowballed. And it it ended with like seven minutes of just, uh, it was was just really hard to be a Christian in the room that day. And um, that was kind of my experience before I had taken creation science at a different school. So when I got in creation science, I loved it. Hearing about my faith through the lens of a biblically supported science was really fascinating. And I remember the big lecture when we officially had the great showdown of creationism versus evolution. And so we'll talk about that for a minute and then we'll get into the heart of the matter. So for those of you who may need a small refresher, creation science is less funded and less popular, but it delves into the exciting realm of confirming biblical accuracy. It does so by using science to validate natural phenomena that we can observe around us each day. And if that sounds complex, the one thing you can take away from it is creation science is real science that doesn't contradict the Bible. And creationism is the story of how all of creation proclaims the glory of God. That's how it can be simplified. And so furthermore, on the opposite side, you know, evolutionists believe that life evolves randomly. They believe that time, matter, energy, and space were all condensed together. And then for one day no reason at all everything exploded and as a result protons and neutrons and atoms materialized and then later gravity and galaxies and singular cells and finally eventually all life forms supposedly developed over millions of years now all of us know that the heavens and the earth and the days and the seasons and the months and the animals and the plants We're all intelligently designed by a creator. And we know that absolutely nothing was created or left to happenstance or chance. But um, our professor reiterated these things to our class and they've stuck with me ever since. As we talked about these two schools of thought, he pointed out that both groups of scientists believe that there was a rapid expansion and creation of the universe from a single entity. Both groups of scientists agree that the universe formed from something. Both groups of scientists are viewing the same evidence, but they arrive at completely different conclusions. And so, because we can't watch the footage of the universe unfolding, it takes a leap of faith to believe one way or the other. So, to my surprise, our professor informed us that what actually determines the difference between these two groups of scientists (laughs) is the condition of a man's heart. It's the condition of a man's heart that determines whether they will believe in a powerful God who loves and corrects us or an impersonal domino effect that cares not for the condition of anything. So this teaching all culminated to create our Dean's favorite catchphrase. And this catchphrase is kind of funny. Educators kind of pocket them to keep students in line. And this phrase he would use Um, to talk about anything like students cheating on tests or not getting up on time (coughs) to go to chapel. He could use this catchphrase and it could stop a student's excuse in, in their tracks. And it was really effective to say the least. And as a young Christian, it set me on the road to understanding the importance of our own hearts. The phrase that he would use was so simple yet weighty and we will explore its many facets today. This phrase perfectly sums up why two groups of scientists can be looking at the same evidence and come to drastically different conclusions. The phrase that has helped me all this time is, it's a heart issue. It's all about the condition of a man's heart. So the Bible has a lot to say about the heart. It speaks of God's plan through our hearts and the hearts of others. So let us examine scripture that talks about the heart, the most commonly Um, used form of the word for heart can be found in the Old Testament and it's the Hebrew word lebab and it is literally the heart. It could be the physical organ of a man or it can refer to courage or the inner man, the mind, the will, the soul, the understanding, the inner part or a man's soul. And so um, before we continue into talking about what the heart is in scripture, There are lots of times in scripture that I notice where it talks about a person's heart and then it'll talk about their soul right away and I I wanted to mention like a lot of times those things can be used interchangeably. Um, A human is comprised of three components as we know body, soul, and spirit and that the heart is often coupled with the mind, the will, the soul, or the emotions of a person. We know that the flesh is temporal meaning that it will pass away in time and we know that the spirit of man is eternal and it should be submitted to the spirit of God. We know that the soul and the flesh should be brought under submission to the pneumatic spirit, one that is fully devoted to the spirit of God and moves according to his ways, his winds, and his purpose. Now with that foundation established, let's talk about Genesis 6, um, chapters, chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. And it reads, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So this scripture is talking about the Lord's heart towards mankind in the days of Noah. And it's the first instance of us hearing about God's heart in scripture. So Exodus 35 verses 4 through 10 reads, And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord. Gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ramskins skins dyed red, and badger skins and shittim wood and oil for the light and spices for anointing oil, and for the very sweet incense and for onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Okay, so I thought this the scripture was really cool because. It was the Lord talking to uh, the children of Israel as they were setting up to build the tabernacle. And it talks about being wise-hearted and being of a willing heart. So, um, already we see three really different facets of what a heart can contain, right? Um, We saw in the verse before where the heart of man was only evil continually, and that, of course, grieved God's heart. And here we see a contrast in this verse with a willing heart and a wise-hearted individual, with people being willing to, to give according to all that the Lord wants to do. So the word for willing is nadib, and it means voluntarily, to be generous, to give freely, to be liberal, to be willing, to be of a willing heart. And the word for wise is hakam which means to be intelligent, skillful, or artful. I also think it's interesting that it says cunning and subtle and wise. Because you know it says in the word also that we are to be as wise as serpents, but as, as innocent as doves. And so all of these are um, they're conditions that our heart can be in before the Lord. And so Exodus 36 verse 2 says, And Moses called Bezalel... And Holy dab, and every wise hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the works to do it. So, this verse tells us that the Lord can put wisdom inside of our hearts to accomplish his plan and his work. He provided um, the people who were willing with wisdom and skill, and then they had to yield. Okay. And so all of those things had to happen. So Numbers 32, verse 9 says, For when they went up to the valley of Eshel and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel, that they should not go into the land which the Lord gave them. Okay, I think it's um, interesting to mention this, this word, Discouraged. It's a primitive root, which means to forbid or to dissuade or to neutralize or to discourage or to um, make none effect. You know, um, I think it's worth mentioning that the heart can be subjected to these things by other people, even when, when they had a very clear directive of the Lord what to do. And we must be aware of this happening if this ever happens to us, and we must take courage in the Lord and continue to do what he's called us to do, no matter what challenges we may face. Um, So this is a really long um, passage. The next one is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 29 through 40. And we'll read, But if from from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, you shall find him. And if you will seek him with all your heart and with all your soul, And when you are in tribulation, and all these things come upon you, even in the latter days, if you turn to the Lord your God, you will be obedient to his voice, because he's a merciful God. He will not forsake you, or destroy you, or forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore unto them. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before thee, since that day God created man upon the earth and ask from the one side of heaven unto the other whether there has been any such thing as this great thing is, or has there ever been anything heard like it? Did people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? Or has God essayed to go and to take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, wonders, by war, a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm? Then verse 35 says, "Unto thee it was showed that you might know that the Lord is God, and that there is none else beside Him. Out of heaven He made you to hear His voice, that he might instruct you, and upon the earth he showed you his great fire. You heard his words out of the midst of the fire, and because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their seed after him. He brought thee out of his sight with the mighty power out of Egypt to drive out nations from before you greater and mightier than you are. So I'm going to pause right here. I think it's really great how um, a lot of times when the Lord is talking through people, he keeps a running timeline of everything that happens. Like, of course he does. (laughs) He exists outside of time and he remembers everything. But I think we have to work really hard to remember everything. But I like how as the Lord is going through this entire progression he's reminding you this is what happened before this is where we are now this is where we're going this is what you've seen this is why you should trust me this is why we should keep going so um verse 39 says know therefore this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath there is none else thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments which i command thee this day and it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth which the lord god giveth thee and uh, giveth thee forever so even though this is way back in deuteronomy i dare say it's all the same thing the lord has brought us out of great things he's taken us to great places he's shown himself strong on our behalf, and we consider these things and we, remo- we remember them, we keep them in our heart, and then we move forward. And so um, it's just really encouraging to see that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The same God that was talking to the children of Israel then still thinks the same way, and it still applies the same to us today. So um, the word for consider, so he's, he's um, encouraging them, consider these things in your heart, all of these things that I've mentioned. The word consider is the word sub. It's a primitive root. It means to turn back, literally or figuratively, okay, to break, to build, to circumcise, to dig, okay, to carry again, to come again, to continually Remember, to draw back, to fetch home again. And I just think that's really great. So, um, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 says, Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. But teach them to your sons, and to your sons' sons. So, this tells us that we are to keep our souls okay by possessing our hearts okay and we must stir to memory all the things that the lord has taught us and keep them continually before us so joshua chapter 14 verses 6 through 9 says then the children of judah came unto joshua and gilgal and caleb the son of jiv Jep- jivana <laughs> that's a tough one The Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me in Kadesh Barnea. (laughs) Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt but i wholly followed the lord my god and moses swear on that day saying surely the land thereon thy feet have trodden shall be mine inheritance and thy children's forever because you have wholly followed the lord my god and so this just continues to reiterate that principle that when we follow the lord we follow him with our whole heart Um, when people are saying things that are contrary to what the Lord has instructed us to do, we do not allow our hearts to melt. <laughs> you know, we, we, we possess it. We possess the land. We go in, we, we take authority, and we do the things that the Lord has called us to do. So Joshua 24, 20 through 25 says, If you forsake the Lord, and if you serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, Nay, we're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, Yes, we are witnesses. Verse 23 says, Now therefore put away, said he, strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. So I think that's really great. That's way to go, Israel. It's a time when they obeyed fully and um, they renewed a covenant with the Lord instead of whatever else would have waited them. (laughs) They had chosen otherwise. And I'm, I'm not laughing to make light. I just, it's the same. You know, it just overwhelmingly, as I looked at these scriptures, I was like, it's the same thing. You know, I think it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to see what God is doing, but it's helpful that we are saints, that we follow him, that he speaks to us, that we obey his voice, that we cultivate that, that lifestyle of spending time with him so that we can know what he's doing in the nation, so that we can know what he's doing in us and in the people around us and what his heart is for his people. And we continually keep that covenant before him so we don't have to, you know, keep, keep coming back. And if he, if he calls us to renew something afresh, we do that. But let it be out of a new thing, not out of, oh, we, yeah, we've, we've fallen in some way. Or, or not, um, we've not been good stewards in some way. And so Judges 16, 15 through 18 says... And she said unto him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? This is Delilah talking to Samson. We know about her. (laughs) We're going to read it anyway, but (laughs) she was telling this man not the truth right here. (laughs) Just, oh gosh. Okay, I'm going to read it. So she says, You have mocked me these three times. I just can't imagine that she's saying it sincerely, so if, if my voice takes on a whiny timbre, I just can't with Delilah. Like <laughs> So, you have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me wherein your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. That sounds dramatic, but there's like some interesting words we're going to look at right there. Like, this was serious. This was warfare. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, um, that he, after that, he told her all his heart and said unto her, There has not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go for me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. It's an incredibly f- unfortunate tale there. Um, of course, we know how it ended. But this was, this was a low moment in this story. The word for vexed is kosar. It's a primitive root, and it means to dock off, to cut down to grieve, to loathe, to mourn, to shorten, to trouble, to vex. So his soul was cut down unto death. Okay, And, and of course the word for death is death. It's to die, literally or figuratively. Um, yeah, so I'm reading those words, but I mean, it's he suffered a great loss after that. And he, he told her all of his heart as a result, and um, I would just say we, we guard our hearts, right, when the Lord has given us great strength, when the Lord has given us um, insight, and when he's called us specifically according to a purpose, we, we guard that, and um, we don't tell all of our heart, we don't give up the, the weapons, you know, so um, I thought that was good to mention what can happen in someone's heart when they're pressed and vexed and when they don't stand firm. And so the word for told, when it says that he told all of his heart, is nagad. It's a primitive root, and it means to boldly, to stand boldly out opposite, to manifest, to announce, okay, to declare, and also to to denounce, to rehearse, to report, and to utter. And he, he told her all of his heart and suffered a great loss as a result. So Second Samuel chapter 6, verses 12 through 16 says, And it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. And so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and he was girded with the linen ephod. So David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Saul's Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And so the word for despised is baza. It's a primitive root. It means to disesteem, to disdain, to hold with contempt, to think of with scorn. And it also says a vile person. And so, like, if the heart is the seat of emotions, and we know that out of the heart comes the issues of life, because Michael's heart wasn't pure, the Lord caused her to be barren all the days of her life as her response to David came about. And so we know that there is a penalty, you know, for, for despising the things of God, for not holding, holding sacred the things of the Lord. So 1 Kings chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 says Now in the days now the days of David drew nigh that he should die and he charged Solomon his son saying I go the way of all the earth be thou strong therefore and show thyself a man and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of moses that thou mayest prosper in all that you do and whatsoever thou turnest thyself and so david was reminding his son the most important thing is to walk in the ways of the lord to keep his statutes to keep his commandments and verse 4 says that the lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me saying if your children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all of their heart and with all of their soul there it is heart and soul there shall not fail thee said he a man on the throne of Israel okay so that that is detailing um, how the Lord blesses those and rewards those that have a pure heart so 1st Kings chapter 3 verses 5 through 12 says In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto your servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept him this great kindness, and thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now... O Lord, my God, you have made thy servant king instead of my father, but I am a little child and I know not how to go out or to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. And so we just learned about this last week too, a couple of these scriptures. He said, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because you have asked this thing, and you have not asked for thyself long life, you haven't asked for riches or for the life of your enemies, but you asked for wisdom you ask for understanding to discern judgment behold I have done according to thy words lo I have given thee a wise and understanding heart so that there was none like before thee neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee and so um, there's that word wise again referring to the heart it's hakam to be skillful to be artful And it also has the word cunning and subtle there. And so, you know, God says, I will give you a wise and an understanding heart. And understanding, it's so funny because I think in English, we know that those words are different, but I think we probably could use them interchangeably, but they're very different here. And so, the word understanding is a primitive root, and it means to to understand, um, to consider, to discern, to be instructed, to have intelligence, to be regarded, to be skillful. And so the Lord gave that to him as a result of, I th- you know, I believe, is, of him having a pure heart and asking rightly of the Lord. So 2 Kings chapter 10, verses 30 through 31 says, And the Lord said unto Jehu, because thou hast done well in executing that which is right in mine eyes, and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in mine heart. And this was the Lord saying, you listened, you did what was in my heart. It says, the children of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. So after the Lord was like, okay, you've done well so far, then Jehu didn't continue along that path. He said, It says, but then in verse 31, but Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. And he departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, which made Israel to sin. So this is the same principle, just being demonstrated. I know we're blowing through these scriptures super quickly. Does anybody have any um, input or any further insight or any? Okay. So Psalms chapter 7, verses 9 through 10 says... Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns, and my defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. And so Proverbs 6, verses 12 through 21 says, a naughty person, a wicked man, walks with a froward mouth. He winketh his eyes, he speaks with his feet, he teaches with his fingers, frowardness is is in his heart. And so that word is tafuka, and it means perversity or fraud. Okay, so we don't, we don't want perverseness in our heart. It says a person that has that, they devise mischief continually, and that they sow discord. Verse 15 says, therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. And verse 16 says, These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. And then 18, you see him talk about the heart. A heart that devises wicked imagination. And um, the word for deviseth is a primitive root. And it means to plow and to fabricate. Okay? Um... There's another verse in Scripture that talks about how people that will, will be judged by the Lord are people who invent evil things, and it's just like, whoa, okay. Like, that's the standard. It goes all the way through. And um, verse 19 says, A false witness that speaks lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. My son, keep your father's commandment, and forsake not the law of your mother. Bind them continually... Upon thy heart and tie them about thy neck. So it's not only important to guard your heart, to possess your heart, um, but also to keep your heart pure, keep your heart before the Lord, and continually keep His commandments. You know, upon your heart, in your mind. So we we do that. We work to do that because that pleases the Lord. Yes. There are six things, and then the seventh. It's just interesting that the God hates the first six,
1: but the seventh is an abomination, and that's sowing discord among the brethren. Yeah. That's so shocking. That's number seven on the hit list of mm-hmm. the Lord there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know what uh, if, if there's anything worse than God hating something, and mm-hmm. something being an abomination to Him. Yeah. And that's that's the end result of you know one thing for these people to be doing what they're doing, but to sow discord, to make the heart of the people melt, <clears throat> to you know to do that kind of thing, which I read about, that's an abomination. Mm. So it, you know it's bad enough to have God hate things, but Him consider this an abomination. I, d- I really don't understand how people who engage in this don't understand that they're engaging in it. Mm. And we've seen it over and over and over again, not just that people get ticked off or they want to do this or they want to do that and they accuse and they do these things, but to, but to then say, I'm gonna gather people to come against, that's, that God looks at that as an abomination what kind of thing do those kinds of folks inherit? If you're in the abomination of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's weird stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and how do they speak evil with their feet? That's
1: <sighs> the <a> question I know. Speaking evil. Side language.
0: Cackling. Cackling. the people. it also talks about feet in that verse that they run to mischief I bet there's something to be said about that how every place the sole of our foot treads the Lord has given us authority in those places that our feet are supposed to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and we are to pursue, you know, um, pursue righteousness and peace with all men. If these people are using their feet to be swift to run to wickedness and run to evil and to run to do evil things, I. Plus,
1: it says his word is a lamp unto our feet. Yeah. Our path. And his word, I,
0: I love how so many of these verses really reference Yahweh and his plan with, re- with regards to the heart, because you think it would be Elohim. Mm. but how God's
1: plan is so integral within our heart as we commune with Elohim, you know, as we pursue him because he is his plan. His plan is in his heart and how those two are so integrally connected
0: and how it affects the heart when we're disobedient to Yahweh and to his eternal plan. It's just, it's so amazing to me.
1: Mm. Well, if you're in a if you're among brethren, you're in a, uh, an environment that's a successfully spiritual environment. And if you sow discord mm-hmm. into a successful spiritual community environment, you're ripping up something that is accomplished. And that's what God is going to uh, abhor the most. That's the abomination, in, in my view.
0: Oh, I see that. So the,
1: the opposite of discord would be unity? Accord. Mm-hmm. Accord, so unity or accord, mm-hmm. agreement. Yeah, so we're you're in accord, you would think that the proactive of the first six things, the proactive would be the ingredients for a Mm court, And if you're systematically tearing down those agreements and then your objective is discord, you know, how many things does God say, you know, in in unity? God loves unity among the brethren when they were all in one accord. You know, how many of those things are said and then God moves? Or
0: two or three are gathered. Yeah. Or even Mm -hmm. a house divided.
1: Will not stand. yeah so there's something about that seventh facet of truth and sonship that is the launching point for victory but if if it becomes discord among the brethren then that instead of bringing blessing I guess it brings abomination destruction I don't know that that's a good that's a good thing to think about and maybe turn those first six into positive things. Maybe these are the ingredients of the cord. Mm. Um, interesting.
0: Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep thy heart mm. with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life keep is the word nasar, which means to guard in a good sense, to protect, to maintain, to obey. And then it says, or a bad one to conceal. So to preserve your heart and to watch your heart, to keep your heart with all diligence. And the word for diligence is mismar. And it means also to guard. It's a guard, it's a deposit. And it also has words like guard, and office, and prison, and ward. But our our heart is something that we are supposed to guard with diligence. Um, Proverbs 14, 14 says, this word came up earlier, the backs, and I had never seen this verse before, so I thought, oh wow like, says it like that, and we still say it that way. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. And I, I was like, wow. Um, so backslider literally means to go back, to retreat. It also says to apostatize. So. Um, I think that's really interesting. There's this uh, trend that's happening right now in the culture and it's 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 incredibly sad because it's all these Christian kids who have been raised in the faith who are doing something I don't know if this is an old term or if it's just being applied in a new way you guys might know but they're deconstructing their faith. There are a lot of children that are doing that and young adults that are doing that and so um, I just, I find it interesting that, like, the word for backslider talks about, you know, to apostatize, to go back, to turn away. And that someone who does this is filled with their own ways. I think there's something to be said about that and probably further study on on my part because that's an interesting concept. So, Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30 says, At the time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and you have revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomever the Son will reveal in him. Verse 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I think that's um, really profound, because Jesus just told you what his heart was like. You know? He was aware of his heart, and he was able to to reiterate, I am meek and lowly in heart, and learn from me. And then he goes on to say, You shall find rest (coughs) unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So I think that's the goal, always to be meek and lowly in heart as Jesus is. So Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And Luke 8 verses 12 through 15 says, Those by the wayside, Okay, so this is uh, the parable of the sower, and I've heard this taught many times. I think, you know, it's a popular verse that people like to talk about, Christians like to talk about, and I, I think I've heard people, like, describe the soil as, like, someone's spirit, as someone's mind, as someone just, like, continuing along, but it literally says that the soil is someone's heart. And I had never noticed that distinction before, so I put that scripture in, and we'll read it. It says, uh, Those by the wayside are they that hear, and then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts. And I think that also goes, because I'm thinking, I always would think, oh, you know, people would just forget. People would go to a really great service, and the Lord would release a word, and they would forget about it. But if you remember that the heart is connected to the soul of a person. The mind, the will, the emotions is all together. It makes sense if they forget or if it's taken out of their heart. I think sometimes those things can be used interchangeably. So it says, the devil takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. So then that shows us what happens um, when people hear the word and it stays planted in their heart that they will believe and be saved. I think there's a gestational period. There's something that occurs, you know, the longer that we meditate on the word and we let something be in our heart, it, it, there's, there's a change that happens in us. Verse 13 says, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root, which for a little while believe and in, time, in the time of temptation they fall away. Verse 14 says, And they which fell among the thorns are they which, when they heard, they go forth, and they are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. And and verse 15 says, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and they bring it they bring forth fruit with patience. So having an honest and a good heart, hearing the word, not just hearing it but I think there's, there's effort on behalf of the person to possess it in their hearts, to keep it and then it will bring forth fruit with patience. And then we know from earlier in that verse if, if the word remains in your heart then someone will believe and be saved. So 2 Corinthians Uh, Chapter 3, verses 12 through 18 reads, Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away." Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So that was, um, I remember when I was reading that, I was like, wow. So there's a veil upon the heart. Of course, we know about the veil in the temple that was rent. But this talks about a veil that's upon a person's heart. And when they come to the Lord, He removes it, and I, I didn't know there was such a thing, and so I was, I was quite intrigued by that, and that when that haps, happens, subsequently there's liberty that happens, there's freedom that comes to that individual, and then um, they are able to behold the glory of the Lord, and they are th- themselves changed by the Spirit of the Lord, and I that's so powerful. Um, So we're still in 2 Corinthians, but instead of chapter 3, we'll go to chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It says, Therefore, seeing that we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, walking not in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Then verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, which sounds like the veil from the verse before, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them, which was also referenced in the verse before. And it says in verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, in ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so there's a lot to be said about the heart, receiving God into the heart, the heart being changed, um, light coming to the individual, then being able to then... Um, view the Lord. And if you continue with that analogy of like the veil, um, the veil was rent in, in, the, in the temple allowing, you know, it's a, a physical representation of what happened in the spirit. And if that happens in our hearts, when that veil is removed, we are able to behold the beauty and the shining and the glory of the Lord. And then we in turn embody that and then reflect that to people around us. And it all starts with the heart being willing and being open and being there before the Lord. And so I just think that's beautiful. Um, so 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 through 24 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and that we shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. O God who is greater than our heart and knows all things. I think I said that strangely. (laughs) We'll keep going. Verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we the confidence toward God. Verse 22 says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments. And because we do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23 says, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit that he has given us. And so, abiding in the Lord letting Him be the possessor of our souls, submitting our heart to Him, um, us subsequently um, holding on to the things that He plants in our heart. It allows us to receive the glory of the Lord, to see the glory of the Lord, and then to reflect it as a result to those that are around us. And um, because we are of the same spirit of the Lord. So I just wanted to release that over all of us. May we be possessors of our hearts, of our souls. May we um, not yield to anything that is contrary to what the Lord says. No matter what we're up against or what we may face, may our hearts not melt within us for fear if it looks like we can't accomplish something on our own because in our weakness, He is made strong. And um, I just declare that over all of us as we go forth, that we will continue to shine Um, and that people will be drawn to that as we glorify the Lord. And at the very bottom, um, there's a couple of songs. I I had a playlist kind of on shuffle as I was working through these scriptures, and a few of of the songs I heard really talk about the heart. So if you guys are needing some music for your after-church drive somewhere to go get lunch, um maybe pull up one of these songs and and they're really nice so yeah so i will pray i pray so father thank you for this time that we get to spend in your word thank you for loving us and giving us truth and and showing us wisdom May we be those that um, appreciate and guard and, and stand and fight on behalf of, of wisdom and, and righteousness and truth. And may you continue to perfect our hearts and to pull away any veils um, that may exist and may you continue to shine brightly upon us. And in turn, may we shine brightly back to you. We just declare this over ourselves We will continue to meditate on these words to hear what else you will speak throughout this day. In Jesus' name, we just declare it done. Amen.